Welcome back into the Fast Lane one final time this Wednesday afternoon here in the Fast Lane. Trey Lyle filling in for Ed, who's out with the kids right now. Bringing into the show, Mr. Andrew Alex. He's a content writer. He writes for 24-7 Sports, including the Hokie site VT Scoop. Uh, he's also the host of the Hokie Hangover podcast. Uh, you can also check out the Inside the Tunnel podcast. Um Old pal from my ESPN Blacksburg days, my classmate as well. I've had him on a couple times when I filled in. Buddy, how are you doing? It's it's always good to hear your voice. Thanks, Trey. It's always a pleasure to be on with you, man. It's uh, you know, lots going on in the world of Hokie football between the transfer portal and what's going on with the bowl games and all that stuff. So, you know, excited. But a lot of work. You know, these transfer portal days, I think uh, Evan Watkins said it best. These last two days have been the longest month of our lives. But, uh, you know, the beat goes on, Trey. The beat does go on. And uh, let, let's look into this right now. Uh, we, we can talk about the transfer portal in a second. Um, and, and, you know, the comings and goings with that. I obviously mentioned uh, three players who announced today. Uh, during the fast five at five-ish, but uh, this team as a whole, six and six on the year, they finished strong, obviously with the shellacking of Virginia. Your your overall thoughts uh, of year two under Brent Pry? Uh, well, yeah, Trey. I mean, it certainly uh, ended up in a place of positivity that I didn't, uh, or that I, I mean, quite frankly, it ended up exactly how I thought it was going to end up going into the season, but. Following Purdue, following Rutgers, and most probably following Marshall, those three non-conference losses against teams that are world beaters by no means. I mean, Rutgers is okay. Uh, Marshall was a 500-level group of five team. Uh, there was a pattern for that first year and then some changes that Brent Pry wasn't getting the most out of his roster. Brent Pry wasn't out-scheming the guy on the other side. And once we saw that adjustment – uh, in the offense to really center it around the skills of Kyron Drones, uh, you know, the rewards followed. And this is a team that picked to finish somewhere between 11th and 13th in most uh, preseason ACC predictions of both, you know, ACC writers and, of course, national writers. Uh, they end up finished in a tie for fourth, right? A 5-3 and three record in conference, 6-6 six and six overall, fighting and clawing to get there all throughout the second half of the season. And, uh, you know, it was strange, right? Because I think Virginia's had to lodge themselves uh, in a place that I guess their schedule really didn't allow them to get much clarity on, which was that if they played a team with inferior talent, they won by double digits and scored nearly, you know, 40 points in those contests on average. Uh, they played a team that was legit, a Florida State, RIP, Louisville, and even even an NC State team that you know is even in no doubt in my mind one of the top 25 teams in the country and certainly one of the most well-run defenses in the country. Uh, they didn't look like they stood much of a shot. They were outclassed. So, is there work left to do? Of course. You know, six and six records are the records that got Joseph Fuente fired. But the difference that we saw this year was the Virginia Tech offense with life. A Virginia Tech coaching staff that clearly grew, uh, you know, as play callers and a, as runners of a Division One college football program. And uh, things are, are, are certainly looking up. I think expectations are going to be high 
going into 2024. They certainly will be for me. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't think that anyone can say that, you know, we, we can rule out Brent Pry at this point as a guy who's going to continue to guide this program in the right direction. Looking ahead, you obviously have the military bowl matchup against Tulane, uh, Virginia Tech uh, taking on a, a really good uh team in, in Tulane, uh, obviously with Willie Fritz heading to Houston. We don't know who's exactly going to play in that game. I know one, their backup quarterback is heading in the portal. Obviously, their starting quarterback, Michael Pratt, is rumored to declare for the draft, so does he opt out of the game? But ultimately, this is going to be, you know, the, the 15 practices are probably more important for this very young team, but Ultimately, they're going to get a really good test in the military bowl against a a program, one of the you know best programs over the last couple of years. Yeah, Trey, and it's funny to me, man. Right, like first of all, we didn't know, yeah, you know, we being the Virginia Tech fan base, when everything surrounding Virginia Tech, there was no guarantee that Virginia Tech was going to a bowl game until literally the last day of the season. So it's funny to see people complain about the bowl destination, right? And I think that. And for those of you that were following, maybe some of you weren't who were listening right now, there was a really long pause. The ACC essentially had planned for Florida State to make the playoff. Which they should And have. then they had, to re- they had to reshuffle everyone else. And so there was a huge delay in bowl announcements. So we knew that Virginia Tech was at least going into the ACC championship game in play for the Dukes Mayo Bowl. And then they announced that West Virginia was going to be playing in the Dukes Bay Bowl. Obviously, that got everyone excited. Uh, I was personally very excited. Uh, I I currently live in Charlotte, and that would have been a totally awesome experience. That being said, we were 6-16, and 6-6 is a pretty poor record to make the Dukes Bay Bowl. It's one of the better bowls that the ACC has allotted. And so people are acting all disrespected that we ended up in the military, but we're playing a group of five team. Make no mistake here. If Virginia Tech beats Tulane, that is unequivocally the best win of the season. You know, that's the best team they've played all or it would be the, not the best team they've played all year, but if they could win, it's the best team they've beaten all year. So I think it's a great test. Now, Willie Fritz, head coach of Tulane, the architect behind those successful seasons, he has gone to Houston. And as we see in the transfer portal era, when the coach goes bye-bye, so too do, does a lot of the top-end talent on the roster, especially if you're a team like Tulane, where they probably have Power 5 starting caliber players on that roster right now. So right. we've already seen a couple of them go. I know their number one wide receivers in the portal uh, are running backs in the portal. We'll probably see more of those. But we might not be playing Tulane at full strength. I think it's, I hope at least that the roster is something resembling full strength. Because at the end of the day, Trey, I'd like to see the test. I'd like to see how uh, Virginia Tech stacks up against a team who, in my opinion, and no offense to your Liberty Flames, is the best group of five team in the country uh, over the course of the last two years, and in my opinion, this year. Well, I would say it's SMU who beat Tulane and dominated them in the AAC championship game. Uh, it would be the better argument, but I get you. Which yeah, is, they're already in the ACC in my mind, right? Ah, gotcha. All right, so going forward, they could be the best group of five program is what you're trying to say. I get what you're saying now. Well, All they right. were last year. Two-year resume, certainly, uh, and we'll call it a uh, aberration. 
All right. Well, I, uh, I mean, I, I think Liberty deserved the group of. This is a different debate, but Liberty definitely deserved that group of five bit this year. I wish. Yeah. The, okay. And so you know, what, and, I, and I don't disagree with you. I was going to say. No, I, I do the, think. I know. I do think that now we're getting into like college football playoff semantics, which we've done enough of <laughs> collectively as a college football world. I think that Liberty deserves it as such. I'm glad they got it. But I believe that if Tulane played Liberty, Tulane would probably win. And I do believe that at least full strength pre-Willie Fritz departure Tulane would stand a much better chance of playing a competitive game against Oregon than Liberty does. But that's neither here nor there. Well, let's let's look uh, let's look past Tulane and let's look at the the portals. Couple of exits, uh, including. Announced today, backup offensive lineman Johnny Dixon. Derek Canteen is announced. He will enter the portal. Dewan Lofton uh, has announced they will enter the portal. Before I, you know, the, those three, th- this is kind of the norm. We're, we're going to see it. Uh, I, I don't want your more reaction to that, but all of all of the portal exits have said they're going to play in the bowl game. Is that a sign of maybe this team and, you know, Brent Pry and the culture here could be a really, has a really strong foundation moving forward? That's exactly what it says to me, Trey. And, and, you know, for Virginia Tech right now, what's happened in the portal to this point is just like bare minimum best possible case scenario type stuff. You know, you highlight the likes of Derek Canteen, who was a good player who was getting a ton of snaps you know, over the course of the season, Trey. But what does that tell me? He was playing in more of like a, a nickel corner role, if you will, uh, due to the presence of Dorian Strong and Mansour Delane, you know, playing more traditional outside corner. So if Derek Canteen wants to be a traditional outside corner and go to the pros, he probably is in a better situation to go somewhere else and play the position that he finds himself best to play. So what him leaving leads me to believe is those two guys are staying. It's a big question. Mansour Delane with potential NIL money luring him and Dorian Strong with the NFL potentially luring him. So though I'm sad to see Canteen go, it makes me feel better about the chances of two uh, superior players being on the roster next year. Unfortunately, in this day and age, it's just kind of hard to build depth like, like that. Um, you know, you look at Dewan Lofton, you look at Johnny Dixon. Those are two guys who, you know, aren't – I mean, Dewan Lofton was a regular contributor last year. They brought in his replacements via the transfer portal because, you know, he clearly wasn't that great. And those replacements – uh, you know, we at least hope are all coming back next year. So if you're him and you want to be on a college football team and actually play, probably in your best interest to go elsewhere. Same can be said for Dixon, who was buried in the depth chart, and they're looking to add on the offensive line via the transfer portal. So no one really catches your eye as uh, left at this point without, like, some – more positive explanation and Trey, to your point from earlier i love the fact that these guys are all playing in the bowl game i mean we're only a few years removed from you know virginia tech went five and six and the bowl streak was snapped but it was the weird year it was the covid year uh so they had the chance to extend the bowl streak and the guys said no we're good 
Right. They, uh, now we'll, we'll collectively we'll, we'll we'll pass on the bowl game. That was indicative of a very toxic culture where people weren't happy to be there. And yes, I'm sure that COVID and everything that's around it had something to do with it. But other teams went ahead and played. <laughs> And that was kind of one of the signs where you knew it was the beginning of the end of the Fuente era. On the other side here, with Prep Pry, you have a team that's building momentum, and even the guys that are leaving want to stick around. They want to put in the work. They want to give up their holiday season to be on the roster for that bowl game. That leads me to believe there's a great culture within the program that they're building towards something special. I really, you know, I, I, I think that speaks volumes, in my opinion. Uh, looking at the targets, your your colleague, and um, we're speaking with Andrew Alex at Andrew Alex Radio on X. Uh, he is uh, covering Virginia Tech for VT Scoop, part of the two four seven network. Uh, Colby Crawford, your colleague, has a you know portal offer update, and it's it's pretty much uh, a lot of offensive linemen, uh, a few defensive tackles, few linebackers, few corners mixed in, but. A majority of it is offensive linemen. Uh, this is going to be a two-part question. One, are you, you? I'm assuming you're not shocked by this. And two, how much faith do you have in this coaching staff to evaluate the right talent uh, in the portal that could fit Virginia Tech given the, how well they did their first time around really attacking the transfer portal? Yeah, Trey. Well, let me tell you, I, I mean, I'm intrigued. I'm certainly intrigued by how this is going to go because uh, – this team has two glaring weaknesses, right? The offensive line play, despite the fact that the offense was pretty good, we saw time and time again when they went up against disruptive uh, defensive units, especially up front with the front seven, uh, the offensive line kind of crumbled. I mean, you think back to Louisville, like the Kyron Drones being terrorized all day. Uh, you know, similarly uh, against NC State until NC State took that 28-7 lead and kind of started sitting back a little bit. Uh, and then on the defensive line, I mean, it's crazy to think, Trey, but it, it's been like since what our our fifth year of college that it's been. Excuse me, I'm freaking uh, totally blanking on the two defensive tackles names. On uh, the Ralph Hollard, uh, you know, up the middle, and uh, excuse me, I'm totally blank. But Ralph Hollard and the other guy, Josh up the middle. Fuga. What was that? Josh Fuga. Not Josh Fuga. One more. Uh, I'm Mario Kendricks. Mario, Mario Kendricks. Oh, that was a brain fart and a half there, Trey. But, yeah, it's like it was like the last time Virginia Tech was in this situation where they didn't have any defensive linemen. They brought in two freshmen who weren't even, like, super highly touted freshmen, put them on the starting lineup because they had to, and those have been, like, kind of the guys since then. They've added Fuga into the mix. They brought in transfers throughout that time, but those two guys are now officially out of eligibility for Darius Payne, who was a big contributor this year, is gone. Josh Booger coming back, that's announced last night, and that is good news, but they need to put themselves in a situation where they are not starting a you know, freshman defensive tackle next year, even though I do have faith in uh, you know, 2024 recruit Emmett Laws, that he'll be able to contribute, at least to some degree right away, but you don't want to rely on that. So They're going to have to Make that pitch. The good news is, you know, you, you can allocate your NIL money towards that, right? Like, we're not going out and trying to buy a quarterback. We're not going out and trying to buy a star wide receiver. You know, as long as the things kind of hold the way that they are, which I'm not saying they necessarily will, but I would expect that most of your offensive contributors from last year are going to be back going into next year. 
So, you know, you can make the argument uh, in the portal. Like, hey, come, you will play immediately, and you might just be the difference that gets us over the hump. And it's going to be a really good team next year. Plug and play, let's go. So I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Yeah, offensive linemen in the portal are a hot commodity trade. There's just quite simply not that many gigantic people that can go in and make an impact. And the ones who exist tend to stick around where they are, right? So it's difficult, but I think that Virginia Tech has a more compelling pitch this year uh, than they did last year. And uh, I, I would expect to see some movement there. Andrew Alex at Andrew Alex Radio here on Twitter. He's, of course, a writer for VT Scoop. Uh, last question. Uh, sad day uh, the other day in Blacksburg for, I think, both of us as uh, Substation 2, uh, an institution in Blacksburg, announced it would be closing down as their owner is retiring. Uh you know, I, I think we deserve at the this final moment just to give a shout out to to a Blacksburg institution. Yeah, I, I mean, they're not following the rules, right? The rules being that nothing in Blacksburg is allowed to change at all whatsoever uh, after I left. So it is going to be uh, crazy just having it not be there. Maybe someone could like buy it out, but you know, even with Without, even if someone were to buy it out, without the owner Hamid there, uh, you know, it's not going to be the same. And, uh, you know, especially for us, given the location of where the uh, school of communications classes were, two substation, and, you know, I've had many a lunch with, and I, I think Grayson Wimbish tweeted this and sparked my memory, but I remember having lunch with, you know, Bill Ross and young Evan Hughes and just talking shop and all of it. And, yeah, some great memories there uh, that pretty much anyone that came through Blacksburg and spent there four years or more or, or, or less can resonate with. So RIP to substation, you will be missed. Yes, yes, you will. All right, buddy, I appreciate you spending some time to uh, wrap up this show with me. Uh, before I, I let you go, how can uh, you know our listeners connect with you? BT Scoop, 24-7 sports, man. Uh, you know, you can listen to the Inside the Tunnel podcast. You can listen to the Hokie Hangover podcast. Uh, you know, two Hokie podcasts, two little different approaches. Uh, but I have great colleagues on both ends. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Andrew Alex Radio. That's Andrew, A-L-I-X, Radio. That was Andrew Alex from uh, 247. Buddy, I appreciate you uh, spending some time on this Wednesday with me, and uh, have a good one. You have a good one, too, Trey. That will do it for today in the Fast Lane. Don't you worry. Ed will be back tomorrow in the Fast Lane. I'll be here as well. Thanks so much to Ty for uh, helping me out during the show today. Uh, thanks so much to you guys listening. Uh, connect with me at Trey Lyle VT. Give us your thoughts on tech, their additions in the portal. Also, give us your thoughts on where do you think Shohei Otani lands. Reaction to appears to be the trade for uh Juan Soto and maybe some local reaction. Hillcast could see a number one pick come through their way in a matter of months. That was the fast lane here on this Wednesday, right here on CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg.